Lord, open my lips that my mouth may proclaim your praise. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Um, You might have noticed a a connection between all of our lections today. Um, There is a connection of choice being chosen, a calling and uh, following, and also what it means to follow. So that's kind of our progression of going through. We hear the call in the passage from Samuel. Samuel was a young boy. And he hears a voice calling him. And initially, he thinks it's his mentor, Eli, and goes to Eli three times. And eventually, Eli recognizes that the Lord is calling him. And so he tells Samuel to go and listen for the Lord's voice. Somebody else needed to interpret for Samuel what he was hearing. In the psalm today, David speaks what is true for him and what is true for us. Lord, you have searched me out and known me. It's a wonderful psalm. Psalm 139. Do you know that you have been searched out and known by the Lord? And then in the gospel, we read that Jesus found Philip. He didn't just happen upon him on the side of the road in the village that he was passing through. He found him. He went looking for him and found Philip. And Philip followed the call to follow Jesus. But immediately he went and shared that good news. He went and found his friend Nathaniel and told Nathaniel, come and see. So we have this progression, choosing, call, call being known, call, come and see. And then in our reading from Corinthians, it's about life after we've responded to that call. After we have said yes to the Lord, after we have chosen to follow. Um, I love the story about Samuel. Uh, Samuel's mother, Hannah, you might remember this story. Hannah is barren and uh, cannot have a child and she desperately wants a child and goes up with her husband to the temple annually and prays for a child. And this one year, she is so deeply in prayer and so pouring out her heart to the Lord for what she desires, for for her to be able to bear a child, uh, that she is weeping and her lips are moving. And uh, Eli stumbles upon her and remonstrates with her because he thinks she's drunk. And uh, she's going, no, my Lord, I am praying. I'm in deep prayer to the Lord. Have you ever been in prayer like that where you just don't know what else is going on? You're just beseeching the Lord for something. And, uh, and Eli speaks a word over her and says, in a, in a year you will indeed, you will conceive a child and you will bear a child within the year. And indeed that comes to pass. And she dedicates this child, Samuel, to the Lord and takes him up to the uh, to the temple as she goes and visits him and brings him uh, clothes that she makes each year but he is under the tutelage of Eli and so he's a very young boy and we hear 
in the uh, scripture reading that um, he didn't yet know the Lord. Eli had fallen down on his task of being a mentor. He had not taught Samuel about the ways of the Lord. Indeed, he had fallen down uh, quite a lot in his responsibilities. His sons had been blaspheming the Lord. Um, He was not taking his position seriously. And so uh, Samuel, when he hears this voice, immediately thinks that it is Eli, elderly, uh, can't see very well now, who is calling him. And it takes three times for Eli to actually twig to what's going on. And uh, so finally he does, and he he says, that's the Lord calling When you hear his voice again, if he calls you again, your response is, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Always a good response for us. Um, If the Lord is calling, um, our response is, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And that happens, doesn't it? Sometimes we just get this um, intuition, this, this something that is speaking to us, it's, it's, and, and we need to go and talk to somebody about it to see whether or not it's truly the Lord. And um, when he does that, sometimes he's, he's, he's always persistent if he needs us to hear something. I know a lot of you have recognized that. He'll, he'll wake you up at 2 o'clock in the morning, at 3 o'clock in the morning, and sometimes all through the night. And, um, in, you know, recently this happened, right, Bobby? Um, this, this happened to Bobby. Um, she had this fully formed um, idea of the live nativity that we had this December. And um, she could get nothing done or nothing else out of her mind because um, the Lord kept invading her mind with this image. But the minute that it was spoken with somebody else, the minute it was shared, right, Bobby, it was, it was okay. The burden was lifted and we can get on with life. Life includes that which the Lord purposes. Um, so, you know, there are times when we hear a voice and we need to talk to somebody about it. We need an, an Eli. But sometimes we're also the Eli talking to somebody else who might come to us about it. That's the way the Lord works. But the Lord's hand was on Samuel from his conception, from the time he was knit together in his mother's womb. The psalmist says the same thing about us, that we were chosen, we were formed by God in our mother's womb. It's just go back sometime and, and reflect on this amazing psalm. You were knit together. You were formed and chosen in the Lord. Um, he, he designed you. He formed you perfectly. And, uh, and, and he has a purpose and a plan for your life. So there are times when the Lord speaks to us and it's this kind of resounding that happened to me in the, actually, this call here and, and, and other things. I'm sure it's happened to a lot of you as well. There are other times when um, he comes up to us um, directly and we just, we just know it's him. This was the case with uh, Philip. The Lord goes, seeks Philip out, speaks to him, and there's an immediate aha moment for Philip. Now, Philip is from the same town, the same small village as Andrew, the brothers Andrew and Peter, Bethsaida. And uh, it's probably not a huge place. 
So we don't know if Philip knew the brothers, Andrew and Peter, or if he knew that the Lord had called them and that they were following him. But his immediate response is to follow him. Um, And in following him, he needs to share that good news with somebody else. And so he immediately goes to his buddy, Nathaniel, who's sitting underneath a fig tree. And uh, that's part of another story. Now, Nathaniel is from Cana in Galilee, and we, we know about that because shortly after this passage in Scripture, we come to the Lord's first miracle of the changing the water into wine at the wedding feast in Cana of Galilee. And evidently, there's a little bit of rivalry going on between Nazareth and, and Cana. It's funny that we have this little interchange. It's wonderful that we have these exchanges in Scripture that really draws into, um, into the dialogue and into what is going on. So I know um, I'm, I, I don't follow football um, much to the distress of my husband. He's tried to do that for many years, and I still uh, don't know. But, but I do know that there are rivalries sometimes between different, um, different teams. And so um, one will say, maybe, can anything good come out of and uh, name your team? Well, this is what's going on here. So Nathaniel, kind of tongue-in-cheek, is going, okay, can anything good come out of now? Nazareth, you know, I'm from Cana, and this is Nazareth we're talking about. But Philip goes on, come and see for yourself. Just come and see for yourself. So sometimes, you know, the Lord comes to us. I, I think that happens when you come to the Lord as a child. There's kind of a, there's, there's just a, an introduction to the Lord, and, and you know the Lord, and you know the Lord from then on as a child. Um, there are other times when uh, maybe we've had an inkling of the Lord and God in our life as a child, but then we've moved away, and we need somebody else to draw us back into the Lord or somebody to introduce us to the Lord. That, that was me. You know, I was not baptized, and, and in my 30s, I had a, a young family, and, a, and a, somebody moved into the neighborhood. She became a neighbor and, and a good friend. And Carrie would ask every single week, would you like to come to church with me? And although there was a drawing to go to church with her, um, there was also a fear. You know, what's that, what are they going to think of me? What that's going to be? It was never a bludgeon. She never made it feel like a threat. Um, it, it, it was just, a, I'm going, would you like to come? And, and, and the, she was the Philip to my Nathaniel, and sometimes that's what the Lord uses. He uses other people um, in our lives. It doesn't matter for the Lord. It doesn't matter how it happens. He wants it to happen. He just desires that relationship because he's chosen all of us, and he calls all of us. He calls all of his children to him. So there are some times when he will use other people and there are some times when we're open enough to hear his voice directly. He says this in John 15, the Lord says, you have not chosen me. I have chosen you. I've appointed you to go and produce fruit that will last so that whatever you ask the father in my name, he will give it to you. So Samuel, Nathaniel, Philip, they all followed after the Lord had found them out, chosen them, called them. uh, They responded to the invitation. What happens 
when we respond to the invitation to follow Jesus? What, what happens to us? Well, we looked about at this a little bit last week. What happens is he comes to dwell in us. He makes his home with us. His new creation life, his heaven-earth dimension life becomes ours. There's an exchange that takes place. Paul says, do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, which you have from God, and that you are not your own? See, and he uses this imagery of man and woman becoming one flesh, that when two are knit together, they are made one flesh. Um, And we've seen this on a physical level. If you go and do some research physically, there there are exchanges made. In the context of, uh, of Jesus, we're made one spiritually with him. We are knit together with him. And when we choose to follow him who has chosen us, who has redeemed us, who has given new creation life, we, there is an exchange that happens. He takes away our old life and we get his new life. Old life is gone. New life is ours. Gift. Just free gift. Just by responding to the call. But um, it requires us following him. It requires us actually letting go. It's what we sang just now. Take my life and let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. Take all that I am, my intellect. Make my heart your royal throne. All of our lives, we give them over to the Lord, freely given over to the Lord. And paradoxically, in that, we actually find true freedom. And yet, uh, the enemy has told us this lie that freedom looks like doing what we just want to do, whatever we want to do. The reality is, is that if we do whatever we want to do, it enslaves us. The more we just enter into doing our own thing, just do it, doing our own thing, those things end up enslaving us. And that's why we see this rise in pornography and addictions and all of those things. The more we do that, the more we do that. And eventually that enslaves us. But giving over our lives to Christ actually frees us. For me, the most terrifying passage in all of Scripture is found in the first chapter of Romans. It says, They knew God, but didn't honor him as God or thank him. Instead, they learned to think in useless ways, and their unwise hearts grew dark. They declared themselves to be wise, but in fact they became foolish. So God gave them up to uncleanness in the desires of their hearts, with the result that they dishonored their bodies among themselves. They swapped God's truth for a lie and worshipped 
and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. You see, God desires wholeness and health for his children. And that comes with new life in Christ when we choose to answer the call of him who first chose us and calls us. But it's a costly following. You see, God does not desire to turn away from us, to leave us over to our own things. But he has given us free will. He has given us that and he will not take that away from us. So that if we choose to do those things that he knows is not healthy for us and we won't listen to him and we turn away, he'll give us over to those things. He'll allow us to go there. But know this, the minute that we call out, God, save me from this enslavement, he is right there. He is right there. And his Holy Spirit gives us the power to turn again and to turn away from those things which will enslave us because he knows all that there is about us. It's what it says in the psalm. He's acquainted with all our ways. He knows our thoughts. There's not a word on our lips, but he knows it. He knows everything that we do when we think we do it in secret. He knows and he sees all things. The psalm goes on to say, If I flee to the uttermost parts of the morning, there he is. If I make the grave my bed, there he is also. He knows my rising up and my sitting down. He knows my journeys and my resting places. There's not a thought that I think that he doesn't know it before it's spoken. He is intimately acquainted with each and every every one of us. There are no secrets from God. He knows all things. He knows all that there is about us. But if we disregard his ways, he will allow us to go into being enslaved by those things. Paul, in his letter to the church in Corinth, they're kind of doing that. They're starting to do that. Corinth is a place where there's a lot of immorality. There are a lot of different things going on there. And these Christians have been Christians. They've gotten a little bit puffed up. And so if you'll notice in your bulletins in that reading, it is all things are lawful for me is in quotation marks. That's because Paul is actually speaking back to them that which he has heard them say. So he's saying, you're saying all things are lawful for me? And he responds, well, all things may be lawful for you, but just because they're lawful doesn't mean that they're beneficial. Just because they're lawful doesn't mean that they won't eventually enslave you. But you see, we've also had this really misshapen image of God. Some parts of the Christian church have done a huge disservice to the body of Christ by creating this image of of an angry, vengeful God, a white-haired old man in the sky that's just waiting to snap us up and point a finger at us and, and, and be angry with us. I find that 
nowhere. If you look at Jesus, who perfectly reflects the loving God, you see a father who loves, a father who would do anything for the wholeness and health of his children, who did the ultimate who came down, who took off glory, who humbled himself, making himself even more humble, taking on human flesh, even more humble, being a servant to all, even more humble, dying on a cross for us. That's the God. Not a vengeful old man in the sky. It's a God who loves lavishly, amazingly, profoundly, unendingly and so even though he will let us over and will not go against our free will he is right there the minute we turn back to him saying come I've called you I've chosen you I've designed you you are my delight and my love follow me Follow the ways that bring life. Follow the ways of wholeness and health. See, we have been bought at a price. Paul says, you were bought at a price and you are not your own. We've been given new creation life at a great cost. Our bodies are the temple of God's Holy Spirit. What we do with them, we do to God. We're to use them rightly because of the price with which we were bought and in order that we might glorify God. That's what the colic says today. Almighty God, whose Son, our Saviour Jesus Christ, is the light of the world, grant that your people, illumined by your word and sacraments, may shine with the radiance of Christ's glory that he may be known, worshipped, and obeyed to the ends of the earth. Shine with the light of his glory, and we do that when we follow him. It's a journey, though. It's a journey of discipleship, an ongoing journey of discipleship. And I close with this prayer from Richard, Bishop of Chichester, that I have always found helpful He says this, I hope it will be your prayer today. Thanks be to thee, my Lord Jesus Christ, for all the benefits thou hast given me, for all the pains and insults thou hast borne for me, O most merciful Redeemer, friend and brother. May I know thee more clearly. May I love thee more dearly and follow thee more nearly day. By day. Amen.